So put it on your calendar and plan to attend those meetings at the... I guess is right. He was being pushed towards the water. Everyone wanting to get closer, wanting to hear, wanting to touch his garment, just wanting to take in who he was. And um, Jesus kind of glanced and he saw two boats and he thought, man, I'm going to get in that. So he got in the boat and he asked Simon to push him out a little bit. And he shared... And Simon and his friends were cleaning nets from the night before. And so he's sharing the word. And when he gets done, he says to Simon Peter, he says, launch out into the deep and let down your your nets. And it's an amazing thing that Peter did what Jesus asked him to do. And it says that, he went out and it says that they caught a great number of fish to the point that the nets were breaking. So I don't have any idea how many fish it takes to break a net, but it, it was a lot of fish. And it says that the boat was so full of fish that they began to sink. That would be quite an experience Well, I want you to know something. These fishermen were experienced fishermen. And they understood that nighttime was the time to catch fish. And they knew that the fish in the daytime, they went into the deep waters. And it was hard to get your net down far enough to actually be able to catch the fish. And when um, Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep, interestingly enough, Peter obeyed him. Even though he was weary, and even though he had no idea if Jesus knew what he was talking about. And I find it fascinating that God always has interesting ways of doing things. Have you ever encountered that? Yeah. And when you hear him ask you to do something, do you wonder at the task he's assigned you? And you go, is this reasonable? Is this the right thing to do? And I want you this morning to understand without a shadow of a doubt that you will never go wrong in obeying God. Never. Peter obeyed even when he didn't understand. And the result was so many fish that it caused the net to tear. And the same would be true of your situation. You may not understand why God is asking you to do what he's instructed you to do. But you can know for sure that when you obey there will be an abundant blessing attached to it. One beyond your imagination. And so our subject this morning is obedience. More specifically, God is calling you to obedience. And why is obedience important? And what what does God have to say about obedience? And most important of all is what is your heart your heart's response to obedience. It's interesting to me how the word obedience conjures up resistance and rebellion. Um, It's really not considered the in thing today. Did you all know that? In fact, Americans are taught to actually prize that which is rebellious. And we're challenged to push the envelope, to go just a little further. It's actually disobedience that's in fashion, not obedience. And so this morning is a challenging message because it's truth from his word and what he is asking from us. I believe he's actually asking this church 
for a new level of obedience. So I ask you, and be honest, how many of you like to be told what to do? I don't see any hands. Have you ever, I'm I'm confessing here, have you ever found yourself just wanting to do the opposite of whatever that person was trying to make you do? Yeah, it, it happens, doesn't it? Why is that within us, this, this push to totally disregard authority? To do what's opposite of we know what is right to do. Well, I think that it's really easy to forget as a believer that it's no longer we that live. It's no longer you that lives. But it's Christ that lives in you. The old man was di- had died and was buried. The problem is we like to resurrect him sometimes. I want you to look at Galatians 2.20. This is truth. When you talk about obedience, this needs to be right up there. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when I consider the topic of obedience, one passage of scripture maybe leaps to your mind. It definitely did mine. And it's for the story out of 1 Samuel. And it's a story about King Saul. And he'd been given an assignment by God. And he had... Mm, somewhat fulfilled it. He actually completed the assignment the way he thought was best and to his standard and his ways. And the prophet Samuel comes to him and challenges him about his lack of obedience. And King Saul immediately does what we all do. He defended himself. And he tries to explain why he did what he did and the good reasons behind it. And this passage, this is a well-known passage. It's found in 1 Samuel 15, 22. This is his response to the king. He said, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And then this verse that's kind of scary follows it. It says rebellion is as, a sin, is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as the worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. King Saul's disobedience cost him greatly. The rest of his reign was miserable. Just, you can read the story, but t- trust me. It was just miserable. So God is looking for your obedience. Yours. He's looking for my obedience. And it is absolutely utmost of importance. I believe um, he is asking you to, to assess, really assess your obedience this morning. And really look at how you respond to him and then say, okay, these are the changes that I'm going to make. And he's asking you to align your heart with his heart. 
You know, if you're really longing to know God more, if you're longing to move up in, in a deeper place with him, in that uh, more intimate relationship with him, you must obey him. It's a part of it. Without obedience, you miss the blessing and, of communion that you were meant to enjoy. I want you to know something. Obedience is powerful. And that is why there is such a war for you to be obedient. Obedience actually can change the trajectory of your life. I, I think obedience is right up there with loving the Lord with all of your heart. And as you move fully into 2023, God is looking for a people who both understand the cost and the blessing of fully walking in obedience. God's principles are set up for your success. Did you understand that? We we don't really consider that. That the things that he wrote in his book, the things that he's challenging you to obey, the things he's longing over you for are actually the things that make you successful. Sometimes we just dig our heels in and we think somebody's trying to tell me and force me into a mold. And that isn't the heart of God at all. What he put out there in his book is totally for you to succeed. I love um, all the things that God's word has to say about obedience, but... And his principles that are not suggestions. You know, sometimes we read the word and we think, oh, this is a suggestion that I could try. In reality, it's a command of his heart. And it's it's a command to bring you into a new place. And cause you to step into places you've never stepped before. And sometimes we have to break off those old ways of doing things, those old thoughts. And we have to say, you know what? I'm going to commit. This is going to be something I'm going to do. I'm going to obey to the best of my ability when God speaks to me and shows me something to do. Because his suggestions are life-giving. They're life-giving. I want you to walk away this morning fully understanding the impact of choosing obedience to God. I'd like you to look at Deuteronomy 12, 28. It's an interesting verse. It says this. It says, be careful to obey all my commands. And then it says something interesting. It says, so that it will go well with you. Okay? I, I just stopped there in mid-sentence. That it'll go well with you. But it's fascinating to me that he doesn't just consider you. Did you see what comes? That it will go well with you. And your children after you. That your obedience actually affects more than just you. It affects your children and your grandchildren and down the line. What you choose to do affects me. And what I choose to do actually affects you. We're interconnected. We are together. And what we do affects one another. As it's stated by Moses in this verse... Obedience is crucial to our well-being. And the word talks about lots of benefits and lots of results of obedience. I could read you probably a hundred blessings that come from, from obedience. And the rewards of it. And there's also warnings against disobedience. But there's something even more important at the very center of obedience. 
And, and um, I want to give you an illustration that shows you what is critical about our obedience. I want you to think about children. You don't have to have them to think about them. Just pretend you're a parent today, okay? And you're trying to get them to obey you. Good luck. Um, and there's, what are some of the ways that you can get them to comply? I'm, I'm going off of my upbringing. I'm not, I'm not about my children. This is about my upbringing. You, could be thre- you can threaten them. I heard, just wait till your father gets home. That did scare me a little. Um, You can put fear into them. You can punish them. I literally remember one time when all of my siblings, there was a hassock in there, and we had totally disobeyed Dad. And we lined up, and one after another went over the hassock. I remember that. Um... You can try what I try a lot with kids. Reward. You go potty, I'll give you a treat. It works. It works. <laughs> um, you can holler at them, and it seems like the louder is always more powerful. Don't you think? The, the louder you holler at them, it's, it's more powerful. Trust me, I've tried charts, allowances, strong speeches, and none of them seem to be very effective. If you've actually discovered the answer, please write a book. Um, but there's different things worked for different children. I had four, and, and none of them were the same. And what re- they responded to was totally different, one with, from the other. And you take fear and compliance and reward all, but the most important thing about obedience is the attitude from which obedience comes. Where is your obedience birthed from? Do you do it because you were told to do it? Do you do it because you can acquire blessings from the Lord? Do you do it because you're afraid of what might happen if you don't do it? Or does it your obedience stem out of this? I do it because I love the Lord with all of my heart and all of my soul, and all of my strength, and all of my might, and I just want to honor and please him, so I obey him out of a heart of love. I'm telling you, I always wanted my kids to obey me because they loved me. That's what I long for, and God is looking for us that we don't obey for what we can get out of it. And we don't obey because we're afraid of what will happen to us, but we obey because Oh, we love him that much. Love produces a heartfelt obedience. And that's the highest radio rated obedience there is. And it comes out of the heart. It's interesting to me that in the Gospels, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think about of, out of the abundance of our love for the Father, the abundance of our love for Jesus, the abundance of our love for the Spirit, we respond to him out of that abundance. It should never be duty. It should always be love. 
So I want to share some things about obedience. Some you know, some you might not know. I don't know. But I want you to get a full, full package this morning. And so I, I want to tell you, first of all, that did you know obedience is actually an act of faith? Think about Peter with that boat. By faith, he got in that boat and he went out and he fished, even though he'd already fished all night and not caught anything. By faith, he did that. You see, sometimes God asks us to do things that we do not understand the whys behind. And sometimes he stirs us up towards something that we don't understand. Why is he wanting us to do this? And down the road, maybe your eyes will be opened and you'll understand the full picture. So it takes us trusting who he is. It takes trusting that what he's going to ask us to do, we're ready for. You see, he prepares us before he sends us out. He makes us ready. We don't think we're ready, but he understands us better than we understand ourselves. And he's at work preparing the situation and all the details, and he's making you ready to be able to respond to him. He's making you able to step into the place he's asking you to step in, whether it be to write a letter or make a phone call or go see someone or go drop a gallon of milk at somebody's house you don't know. Whatever it is, he already knows all the details, and he's been at work in that situation. And so it's by faith, faith in who he is. We step out and say yes because we understand who God is, who we serve, and we love him so much we say yes. And one of the best examples of stepping out in faith is, is Abraham. And he makes his appearance in scripture. The very first place is in, in Genesis chapter 12. And do you want to know something? The Bible gives us nothing about him. There's nothing until this passage comes on the scene. We don't know how he was raised. We don't know if he had an encounter with God. We don't know if God came to him in a dream. We don't know if he spoke to him beside his bed. All we know is it says this, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And in verse two, he says this, and I'm going to make you a great nation. He's married with no children. And God's telling him to leave everything. And he's saying, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he says, I'm going to bless you and make you famous. That would have been pretty hard to believe. And then he says this, and you will be a blessing to others. Not only that, I'll bless those that bless you. I'm going to put like a magnet on you and, and anybody that does good things to you, I'm, there's just going to be this roundabout blessing that comes because of what I'm doing with you. And those that curse you and treat you with contempt, he said, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that treat you with contempt. And then he says an interesting thing. He says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Are you one of the families on earth? You have inherited a blessing from Abraham because the scripture says all the, blessed, the families of the earth will be blessed through him. His obedience affected you. Something came to your 
into your line, into your ability to move and function because of his obedience way back there. And verse 4 says this, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So in Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us even a little bit more of a picture of it. He says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home. His obedience was an act of faith. He stepped out and did what God spoke to him and told him to do, not knowing where he was going how he was going to get there, how he was going to have his needs met, how he would travel. He didn't know anything. He didn't even know where he was going. You talk about an act of obedience that ranks up there at the top. This was one of them. And it says, God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And then I love this. It says he went not knowing where he was going. I want you to know something. Choosing to obey God takes courage. It takes courage. But see, somehow Abraham understood who God was enough that he bravely stepped out and he did what God wanted. And because of it, we're blessed. He's asking you to do what he's already worked out the details for. He had the way for Abraham every step of the way. Read his story. You see his hand moving on his behalf every step of the way. Chronicles, Second um, Chronicles 16.9 says this, that the eyes of the Lord are searching. They search over this congregation. They search over our neighborhoods, looking who he can work on behalf of whose hearts are towards him. So I want to remind you of a few that stepped out in some pretty bold faith in case you're concerned with the thing God's asked you to do. Noah stepped out and built a boat when there had never been rain, and he built it on a mountainside of all the ridiculous things to happen. And it took him a hundred years to build it. That's a lot of courage and a lot of obedience. And he went through ridicule and shame from those around him because he trusted that God had told him to do it. And because of it, he saved his whole family. All the Israelites marched around Jericho because they obeyed what God said to walk around six times quietly and seven times they were supposed to shout. And they looked about as foolish as you can get to take all the army and all the priests and all the people and walk around a city and then go home and walk around a city and go home. And they obeyed. And the walls that were 12 feet wide, thick, fell down. That's impossible. Except God. And that's the God who's going to ask you to do things that are impossible. And you have to know these things in the scriptures so that you can go, oh, if he did it for him, he can do it for me. Right? Yes. I love this one. Peter, Peter said to Jesus, hey, we, we need to pay our taxes. And Jesus says, well, go catch, catch a fish and there'll be enough money in it to pay both our taxes. <laughs> you had to get up, take your fishing rod and go catch a fish. 
Can you imagine as he pulled it out and he's about to open the fish? <laughs> God does what he says he'll do. His word says that and says God is not a liar. He's not like man. He does what he says he will do. Second, I want you to understand that obedience protects you. That's a fascinating thought. Remember when you tell little kids don't touch the stove because it's hot? They don't really understand that stoves stay hot and that they're hot and they could burn their finger that they could have a bad owie if they touch it. And you can't make them understand it, but you're telling them not to touch it. It's that same thought that we, God understands some things you don't understand and he knows things you don't know. And he's giving you instructions and, and asking you, giving you commands that will guard you and keep you. I love that thought. Things we don't always understand, but are really essential to our well-being. He's filled the word with those things. He's filled it for you and for me. That we could walk in a place that's above where we normally would walk. I want to tell you that he not only does that, he, his word and the things he shows us in a word, his word guards us from the plans of the enemy against us. And so I want to share a few of these just for you to consider that they aren't suggestions that they're, and there aren't just verses found in this chapter in this book. They're actually things that God put into place that would change how we lived and, and what would make a difference in our life. Because obedience will protect you from things you should not see and from things you should not participate in. They're not a restraint. They're actually to make our life full. And so I, I think about one that's really dear to me is guard your heart with all diligence. He's, he tells that. He commands us to guard our heart. Then he, then he takes it even a step further and he says, take every thought captive. I want you to know something. I really struggled in the middle of this week really bad. And I had watched something at my parents' house on the news that disturbed me greatly. In fact, I couldn't even hardly go to sleep at night. And then I saw something on Facebook, and that really disturbed me. And then I read a prophetic word that disturbed me. And all of a sudden, I was losing like, there's no hope. We might as well just give up. It's over. And I was feeling like that. I was, and I was like, I can't even deal with this. What am I going to do? And I'm just... And I went to worship because that's my go-to. If I go to worship, it shifts how things. And the Lord brought to my mind, you have not taken thoughts captive. You have let things in that I told you not to let in. You are thinking about things that are not my way. You have not fixed your eyes upon me. You fixed your eyes upon everything out there. You're looking at what's happening and you're looking at that thinking that's the way it's going to be. But God is saying, hey, you've got to keep your eyes fixed on me. Why did he say, fix your eyes? upon the author and finisher of your faith. Why did he say that to you? Because out there is terrible. It's scary. It's overwhelming. It's ugly. I hate what's happening right now in the world. I don't like it. And yet God is saying, hey, stop looking at that. Look at what I'm doing. Look at me because I'll keep you and I'll guard you and I'll keep you safe. But you have to keep your eyes. You have to take thought 
thoughts captive that try to take over your thinking. And I was like, oh, Lord, I realize that. It says bring every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. You can't think that way, Ruth. Get it, get out of your head. Don't allow those kind of thoughts. And I started seeing, oh my word, Lord, this, you're showing me this as an absolute illustration of what you're talking about. Your word protects me. I didn't do what you said. And because I didn't, I found myself in a terrible place. I want you to look at a verse that I find absolutely fascinating in light of this. It's 2 Corinthians 4.18. Listen to this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We keep our gaze fixed on the unseen, on that which has been promised, on that which his word has told us he's going to do, on that which has prophetically been spoken over you and prophetically been spoken over your church. You keep your eyes fixed on those things and not on what's around you. It tells you in Philippians 4, 6, it says not to worry about anything. How many here worry? If you don't raise your hand, you're probably lying. (laughs) I want you to know something. I watched somebody you don't know take on something and begin to worry about it. And then they took on something else and a little time passed and they took on something else. And they ended up at the ER and they went through all kinds of tests, a magnitude of tests. And they said, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Worry and stress will try to kill you. It will create in your system havoc. It will create in your system sickness and disease. And you have to guard yourself against worry because you have to go, oh, the Lord said not to worry. I'm going to cast my cares upon him. I cast them upon you, Lord. I can't handle this. I cast you. I have had in this last year so many things that tried to take me under by taking them on. And I'm not going to take things on. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to give him my worries. I'm going to give him my concerns. I'm going to live above that place where the enemy wants you to live. Graveling in the dirt, being low as can, than a snake belly. Lower than that. That's what he wants. And I'm not going to do that. It tells you in everything, give thanks. Are you giving thanks for the cars breaking down? Are you giving thanks for everything that's happening in your lives? It says in everything, give thanks. Because when we have a grateful heart, it gives him the ability to step in and move. It tells us to put on the armor of God. You put the armor on. You put it on to protect you. Cover your head with the helmet of salvation and put on his righteousness to cover all the crud. Yeah, his righteousness covers it all. And you put your, your feet are, and you carry that big old sword of the word, the truth of the sword, and you use it. I'm going to give you one that's meant to protect you. And we think about it for children. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right. Okay, we all like that. Come on, honor them. Go for it. But look at the second part of the verse. And that relates to you with your parents. Honor your father and your mother. It says to honor them. 
Sometimes they do annoying things. They're not here this morning, so I could say that. That was not honoring. Forgive me, Lord. Truthfully. But look what it says, which is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with you and you might live long on the earth, that it might be well with you. Honor your mother and your father. There is so much dishonor to parents, whether they're in their 80s and 90s or whether they're in their 20s. It doesn't matter. We're called to honor our parents. And as a people, God put it into place. He said, this is a commandment that will bring protection to you because things will go well with you and you'll live a long life. So you you can hold that one over your kids. Hey, you want a long life? You better be listening to me. There's so much obedience does. It promotes you. Did you know that if you're faithful in a little, then he gives you more? So every obedience sends you to the next level. Every obedience promotes you. I'm not going to say a lot about that. And then obedience brings blessing. Even with our kids. Don't you think that when they're obedient, you just love them more, do more for them, you know, that kind of thing. You just are tender towards them. Obedience brings blessing. I found it fascinating. The Lord took me to Luke 2. And I want you to look at this. Because it says, uh, Jesus returned to Nazareth with his parents. And it says he was obedient to them. And then it says his mother stored these things in her heart. But look at the next verse. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and all the people. He was obedient, and out of that obedience came a, a, a growth of wisdom, and he grew in favor with God and people. I find that fascinating. There was a blessing in his obedience. It, it, it put him in a new place, in a new position, I love Leviticus 8. I don't think these are up on the screen, but just listen to them. 18.5, it says, If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. Obedience brings life to you. I love Exodus 26. It says, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. He lavishes to a thousand generations when I love him. It says in Proverbs 3, this isn't a popular topic, but it's truth. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a promise from obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is filled with promises. Filled with promises of blessing when you obey. And I want to close with this last one. It's really not the last one, but it, 
It is this morning. And it's that obedience brings generational blessing. That's an incredible thought. Obedience brings generational blessing. I've believed this for a long time. <clears throat> and I've actually spoke that over my grandkids. I've said, hey, you carry something because way back then my dad, when he was 18 years old, said yes to Jesus and was obedient to Jesus. So that came down the line to me and now it's coming down the line to my kids and down to their kids. And I say, you're carrying something because of obedience from the generations. I tell them their grandfather was 17 and on a tractor and he said yes to the call of God on his life. And because of him obeying God and going after God, then there's this blessing that's yours. Guys, wake up. There's a blessing that comes through the generations. And I kept telling my kids that. And a couple weeks ago, I was listening to a message and he shared this verse out of uh, Genesis chapter 22. And um, it's where God had asked um, um, Abraham to sacrifice his son. And he had gone with his son up onto the mountain and he tied his son up and he had put him on the altar. He actually had raised the knife because he was going to obey. And, and the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, don't do this. But I want you to listen to what is said in verse 16 of Genesis 22, it says, this is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And then in verse 18, it says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me through your descendants. And I saw, yes, God, that's what you're doing. That's the work you're doing, that our obedience to him makes a difference to our generation and the next generation and the next generation. That as we obey God from a heart of utter love for who he is and, and what he's done, there's so much that he's promised. I barely have touched what, what the word says about obedience of, of the, there's cost to obedience, obviously. We never touched on it. There's so many things I could have said. But I want you to know something. Begin looking at the verses of commands and going, okay, what are you wanting this from me for? What are you going to do in my life because I do it? You see, God is wanting us as a people to rise up and be on a new level that we would choose obedience above all else. Will you stand with me? So you can take this message and you can go, oh, I laughed once or twice, it was a good word, so, and then just leave and never think about it again. Or you can actually say, okay, God, how do you see me and my obedience? And what do you want me to know? Maybe this morning you want to say, God, I haven't been real obedient, but... I want to be obedient. 
Would you teach me your obedience? Maybe you want to say, God, if I understand what you're saying, I will obey you. All I know is God is saying this morning, he's giving a call for a new level of obedience from us as a people. And you have the right to decide what you want to do. So, Papa, I did what you asked me to do. Now you do what you do best work in the hearts of your people. Tenderize hard places. Encourage places that have been discouraged. Speak louder over them. Let them hear you, Lord. Cause the word to come to life when they open it and read it. Oh God, just come and move in us, your people. Because we want to go to the next level. We want to see the eyes of the blind open. We want to see people saved and delivered. We want to see families free from the harassment of the enemy. We want you to move in our community and in our church and in our nation, God. So we come this morning saying we humble ourselves, God. We humble ourselves before the almighty God and we say here we are. Use us. Use us. Move in us. Let your hand rest upon us, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. I give you this word that I gave this morning, Lord. You cemented in their hearts. And I thank you. And I praise you in Jesus' holy and precious name. The altar will be open if you want prayer. There'll be a team up here to pray. Hallelujah. That was a good word. A good word. Put you in your heart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Go in his grace today.